Hello and welcome to the official podcast of Solid Ground Church, where every week we share messages recorded during our weekly gatherings in Lewis, Delaware. If you have questions or if we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now, let's get to this week's message. Uh, So if you want to turn to Acts 2, that's where we're going to be today, uh, while the kids are getting situated and settled and all that stuff. Um, While you're turning there, I got just a quick bit of housekeeping um, that I need to uh, address, and then we'll get into the the, the scripture and the teaching for today. So um, you ever have an idea in your head of how things are going to go, and then you're completely wrong? You ever have one of those? Oh, good. Great. I'm glad I'm not alone. Okay, so um, so last week was, if you were here, not at the 9 o'clock service. It didn't happen at 9 o'clock. It happened at 1030. So 9 o'clock service last week, uh, things were pretty normal. Preached the message, wrapped us up in prayer, and we left. And then at 1030, something happened that I wasn't planning. Uh, like, so if you're like, was he trying to make a point if you're here at 1030? I wasn't. Um, so here's basically what happened. So, so I preached the message last Sunday, and... Went to close out the service in prayer as as I always. I'm just gonna give you my perspective. This might not be like your perspective. That's that's okay. Um, so I went to close out the service in prayer, and when I did, um, I just felt I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit come down in a very very strong way. Now is God always here? Yes, but there's just times you're more aware of it than others, and I was just aware that all right, the Lord was here and. and <laughs> And uh, while I'm standing in the middle of that, just trying to process and, and think through, okay, like, like, like Lord, what are, you, what are you doing? What's going on? Um, so I, I think I've told you this before. I, I've prayed in tongues for like 20 years. That's, that's, that's a gift that the Lord's been gracious enough to, to give me. But I don't do that in public because without interpretation, the Bible says not to do it. And so I began to feel a tongue bubbling up in me. And I was like, huh. Um, and then I felt like the Lord gave me a really, really clear command speak to the congregation in a tongue. And in my head, I'm like, well, I can easily process this. If there's nobody here to interpret it, I've missed it. It's not God. So, okay. Um, and, and, and fun fact for you, uh, in my head at this point, I'm screaming internally because I'm just like, oh, this is going to be awkward. Um, and I'm also like, okay, as far as I know, nobody in the church has ever manifested a gift of interpretation of tongues. So it's going to be great. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have missed it. and It's going to be awesome. Um, and so I just asked, like, hey, uh, does anybody here have a gift of interpretation of tongues? And uh, Hunter Shannon, right where you guys are sitting, a, a guy raises his hand, who I didn't know. Um, so, like, we had met during the worship service. This wasn't anything pre-planned. Like, we met during song two of worship at the 1030 service. Um, and so now I'm faced with a choice because, as far as I know, the Lord's never given that gift here. And suddenly there's a guy sitting four feet from me. Like, in 13 years, that's never happened. Um, and, I, and, and so, okay, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm supposed to speak in a tongue, and I've got somebody here to interpret. So, okay. Um, and so, um, I do it. Uh, and um, uh, he has the interpretation. And, and the cool fruit of it was, I mean, I mean, maybe you were here, and you're like, what in the world's happening? Um, well, you know, like, 1 Corinthians actually gives us clear instructions for tongues. So if you're like, man, is, is Bergen going to just start babbling in tongues every week? No. Is Bergen going to open the floor for everybody to speak in tongues? No. Here's, here, here's, here's the instructions for how tongues are to be done. 1 Corinthians 14, starting verse 27, says this. Um, and we'll bring it on the screen here. If any speak in a tongue, let there only be two or at most three. So Paul's responding to this church kind of everybody going wild with tongues. He's like, guys, at max two or three. All right, he goes, 
in each intern, so don't be doing it over top of each other, and let someone interpret. But, he continues, if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Okay, so we got the interpretation, um, and the interpretation um, was pretty uplifting. It edified. You know, I, I had a guy come up to me right after the service. He's like, man, that was an answer to a specific prayer that I've been praying. Had somebody else come up like, man, I feel emboldened to share my faith now, like because of what was said. Had somebody else, uh, like one of our greeters told me about, man, like, you know what? Like, there's a woman who left after service just weeping because she was so aware she was in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Like, God did some really cool stuff in it. Um, and, and there's fruit in it when there's interpretation, when it's done right. But I, but I want to recognize something. I want to recognize that that's not the norm here. And it's very, very possible that I freaked some of you out. Um, and, and I want to say, oh gosh, I'm sorry if I freaked you out. Uh, I'm not sorry for speaking in the tongue because we had an interpretation and we did it in a biblical way. And, and I'm not sorry for, and I'm not sorry for, I believe I heard from God and I believe I was obedient. I'm not sorry for that. But you know what I am sorry for? You know, you know what I can own? I can own the fact, here's where I've led poorly. I've led poorly in the sense of, okay, I've been doing this for 13 years, and that's the first time that's come out that way, which means I've created a false safety net of expectation, okay? Like, like for, now listen, for a year, I've been saying that, like, I've been teaching on spiritual gifts for a year, all right? But I've created a, 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 an expectation of how service is supposed to be, and I violated that, and that's on me. It's not like, it's not like the tongue's not wrong, but the fact that I've created a, a worship service experience because I oversee that, okay, and I've created an experience where you have zero expectation for something like that to happen, that's on me, and I'm sorry. I am. And, 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 and if you were like weirded out, let me just encourage you um, to tell you, number one, I was weirded out too. I freaked, man. Like, like service was done, like the moment I got a free moment, I ran over to Drew Jensen, who's one of our elders, and I was like, Drew, oh my gosh. Um, and, and I, I understand that, but, but let me just encourage you. Like, also, if, if tongues is one of those gifts that makes you uncomfortable, let me remind you of two things. Number one, um, the Bible clearly identifies it as a gift of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, okay? And so if you don't like it, maybe take that to God in prayer. Like, Lord, why does this provoke me in the way that it does? Is it reminding me of maybe a way that I've seen it done wrong? Okay, do you want to heal that? But secondly, listen, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, I think it's verse 30, says, do not forbid speaking in tongues. Like, we have a biblical command to not stop it. And so if I were to be like, so never again, I would be violating Scripture. Um, and so I, I can't make that promise to you. I can't, like, I, I will try to, as best I can, here, here's what I, I can commit to you. Whenever, like, whenever I, 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 like, you know, barring the Lord deciding to withdraw His grace from me and me becoming some sort of uh, rep reprobate and, like, like, turning away from God, as long as I'm walking with the Spirit, I will do everything that I can to act in a way consistent with Scripture when it comes to worship and how we do church. I can commit that to you. And I can also commit to you as, as much as I possibly can and try to be obedient to the voice of the Lord. Um, and and, I, and I, I feel weird saying that because I, like, I was even telling somebody this week, like, you know what, I wish that it was Josh who did this last week. <laughs> so, so that way, no, no, here's what I mean, not like that. Like, like what I mean is at least that way I could defend Josh. I feel weird defending me. And I feel weird being like, well, here's what happened. And so, like, I, I, I just don't like talking about me like that. And, I don't, and so th th that's where I'm at. Okay, all that stuff said, speaking of tongues, uh, let's talk about Acts. So um, here's where we are in, in Acts uh, chapter 2. So we are coming up on the, the, oh, it's such a cool passage, you guys, just the lead into it. Pentecost is the, is the event that we're going to be reading about. And Pentecost is the birth of the church. When the Holy Spirit is poured out on believers, 
and they're empowered and they begin to share the gospel. Remember how the story begins? Like the, the house where they're, they're uh, meeting, like there's a wind that comes in. We've looked at that and how they, they all begin to speak in tongues and people hear them speaking in these tongues and they're, they're their own native languages. Remember we looked at this last week? And then they're like, what's going on? And it's like this weird manifestation that gives them a foot in the door for the gospel. And so today what we're going to read, and this is so cool, this is the first presentation of the gospel in human history. We are going to read the first sermon ever within the Christian church. And so out of respect for it, I thought we'd just read all of it. And, and, and I'll go through it, and I'll, I'll, I guess I'll make some points as we go. But it speaks for itself. And so I just want to read you. So like, you have these moments people are going like, what's going on? And some people, they, they hear the tongues, and they're like, like what's happening? And we hear these people in, in our own native languages, and they're glorifying God. And other people, they, they, like we talked about this last week, how there's, there can be this like, big divider when the Holy Spirit shows up, right? There's people that the, the Spirit is wooing their heart towards them, and they're going, what's going on? But there are others that what happens is like their own deadness in sin is revealed, and so they just begin to mock it, right? So they're like, oh, they're all drunk. That's what's going on, right? And so here's Peter's response to that in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 14. It said, then Peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Here's what the prophecy said. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. In other words, it won't just like it won't just be kings or prophets who receive the Holy Spirit. Everyone who is in Christ receives the Spirit of God. He continues, "Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams." And just check that by the way. This is not a clergy or a missionary thing. It's not the 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 man of power for the hour mentality. It's all of us who are in Christ are promised the Holy Spirit and to be empowered by him. He continues, even in verse 18, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, bills of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And the, the day of the Lord, by the way, so you're like, wait, what's going on there? The day of the Lord is Old Testament language for the day that God stops all brokenness in creation and brings it under his reign. So the day of the Lord is when God ends all injustice, he, all, he ends all death, sickness, and pain, and the reign of God is established on the earth uh, and creation is redeemed. And so like before all that, that's what Peter's going, listen, we're here and it's going to go to here, okay? And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I love that line. Let me say it again. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So just check that, by the way. Okay. Here's a scriptural promise. If you call out to Jesus, he'll hear you. Can I say that again? Okay. Like, because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, like if you're looking at your life, you're, and you're so aware, oh, man, I haven't measured up here. I'm convicted about this. I'm convicted about that. Okay, great. Leverage that conviction to go to the place that you should go. And that's the feet of Christ. All right. and, and you have this promise that Jesus, like Jesus says, listen, I will never turn away anyone who, who comes to me. Like, okay, when you call out to him, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how churchy you are. You have the promise that he'll hear you. And so Peter's going through this and, he, and, he, and, he's, and he's talking about this prophecy that's been fulfilled in their sight. And he's given them, listen, what you're seeing is power. It was the power that was, like, that was promised and prophesied through Joel. And now he's going, but let me tell you why it's here. Let me give you the why behind all of this. 
And so he says this in verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. Guys, you, you've heard the news. Jesus was known for doing miracles. And, and just check that, by the way. He wasn't known for, he wasn't known just for really, really brilliant teachings, although he had brilliant teachings. No, the thing that, like, that Jesus would say, listen, like, don't just believe on the basis of my teachings. Believe on evidence of the miracles themselves. Nobody could argue that Jesus of Nazareth was a, a miracle worker. That wasn't, that wasn't the rebuttal. Okay, and this is important, okay, because sometimes we think, okay, like, well, you know, isn't this this kind of thing of, you know, Jesus sort of off in a back room somewhere, and maybe it's like a nice little flashy magic trick? No, everybody knew that there was power around Jesus. It's what they interpreted that to mean. So in verse 23, he continues, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God has raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Why? Because Jesus is greater than death. That's powerful, isn't it? Hey, guys, like he was put to death by God's own foreknowledge and plan. I just love that, by the way, because you would look at Jesus on the cross and you would think, man, if ever there was somebody <laughs> that, that all goodness in the world has failed, Right? Like God must have absolutely lost this battle. You've got the, the greatest guy ever being unjustly humiliated and murdered. And as it turns out, no, actually, God was redeeming that very thing for the salvation of us all. Like, no, like the plan of God did not fail on the cross. Let me just say that in your life and mine as well. If that's true of Jesus on the cross, it's also true of your pain and mine. Like if, if the cross, the worst thing ever done in creation was actually part of God's plan to redeem and save and heal, how much more what you and I have gone through? Because, because what we've gone through is so much smaller in scale. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay. So he says, but God raised him from the keeping, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him because he's greater than death. David said about him, I love this, this is from Psalm 16, it's written about a thousand years before Jesus. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, you will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life and you will fill me with the uh, joy in your presence. So guys, David looked to a time and he was speaking about someone who's not himself. Where, okay, even though he died, his body would not be subject to decay. And now Peter goes, now guys, here's the crazy thing. We know that's not David. And so he says this in verse 29. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried. And his tomb was here to this day. Hey, okay, we know it's not about David because if he's supposed to not decay, well, David has very much decay. He's been dead for about a thousand years. Couldn't be him. But he was a prophet, verse 30. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. And we're still witnesses today. You're sitting in a room surrounded by people whose lives have been utterly transformed by a living man. 
who's so much more than a man. You're sitting in a room full of testimony that Jesus walks and breathes and lives. That your hope, or that your hope is not placed in, in a vain theology or philosophical system in your life. No, your hope is placed in a living person. And we would love to tell you about him. God has raised this Jesus to life. We're all witnesses of it. And then he says this. Next verse, 33. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. And it's poured out now, or what you now see in here. Okay, this is why all this is happening. Because Jesus has died for your sin. He's risen from the dead. He's ascended into heaven to speak on your behalf before God forever. Right, like, how do I know that my prayers are heard by God? Because Jesus lives, and he lives in the presence of God. And he's poured out the Holy Spirit. Guys, this is why you're hearing the tongues. This is why you're going like, what's going on right here? Because Jesus has died for your sin, and he's risen from the dead. And he continues. He continues. For David, verse 34, David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And then verse 36, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. He's made him Lord, the one who's over all of it. He's made him Messiah, the promised anointed king, the one who will right the ills of uh, the wrongs in creation. And there it is. And I love that line. He goes, listen. <laughs> he goes, God has made the Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. Here's why I love that. Um, because it was nothing but the love in God's heart that compelled the Messiah to die for your sins and mine. Like, let me be clear. Don't scapegoat the, the, the cross of Christ. We put him there. Now his choice, and he loves us with such an overwhelming love, he gladly gave up his life for us. Gladly. But the situation was so bleak that nothing but the Son of God could, like nothing but the blood of the Son of God could wash away your sin and mine. Why? Because sin brings death. And the Bible talks about this idea that, that some things, life is contained within its blood. So the, the infinite life con like contained within the blood of the Son of God has washed away your sin and mine. But we put him there. Let me say it like this. Um, heard a couple weeks ago that this got, this got a little bit like crazy in terms of, I, I guess, movie news. I saw they're, they're, they're working on a sequel to The Passion of the Christ. Did you guys see that? Yeah, you remember, you remember Passion of Christ, right? 20 years old, right? Like, no, guess the movie. It's about, like, the execution of Jesus, you know? I remember seeing that in the theater. I was like, dang, go on, that's brutal. Like, I, I had read about it, but, man, to, like, see that in front of you. You know something interesting about Passion of the Christ? Um, so Mel Gibson, and I'm not... Whenever you use a name now, you have to be like, I'm not saying that I'm fine with everything the person has ever done. Like, we're just in this context, right? Like... Fun times. Um, the, Mel Gibson has one cameo in the movie. You know about this? Like he's like, like so he he like he fronted the money for it. Like he directed it, and he's in one scene of the entire film. Let me tell you where it is. Um, when Jesus is nailed to the cross, he's the hands holding the spike in the nail. And he did this because he wanted to recognize. It was an act of worship. He wanted to recognize, man, his sin put Jesus there. And the same is true with your sin and mine. It, as, as, as the, the, the song, How Deep the Father's Love, 
says, it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. And this is true, right? By the way. What, what does Jesus say on the cross when he dies? He says, it is finished, meaning there's no more us paying for our sin. There's no more, okay, like, Offer your own sacrifices. No, no, Jesus has offered the sacrifice. Now listen, let me bring, bring this up, okay? Because some of you, what, what, you, what you've been taught is this weird version of Christianity that, that is counter gospel. You believe that, okay, if I just do enough religious things, God will accept me. And what I want you to understand is, no, Jesus has paid for all of your sin, past, present, and future on the cross. He has died in your place to take away your sin as its own entity, just away from your life to bring you into right standing with God. Either Jesus has died for all of your sin or he hasn't. You can't earn anything from God. And the reality of your sin and mine is that it was so heinous that what we deserved was judgment and wrath from God. Because our sin is not just, oh, you know, I, I lied one time or I stole a pencil. No, sin in its nature is treason against the holy, uh, the holy creator of creation. Like, like if God is holy, if he's without sin, then to sin, what you're saying is I reject your reign, I want my own. And how is treason punished? Death. And that's what, I mean, come on, let's just own this for a second. How many of us, okay, we're like, well, no, I'm a pretty good person. How many of us in so many points in life, we would go, all right, listen, I know maybe the Bible says this, or I know like this is what, what God has said, but I just want to do it like this. And we don't think it's that big of a deal, but the thing I want you to understand is, no, it's a big enough deal because what you're saying is God's way is not what I want. I want my way. That is treason. And God looked at you and he looked at me with love. And he goes, I'm not going to leave you to that. Oh, you deserve it. But my heart beats for you. I want you. Come, come into my family. Be mine again. So the Bible says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. When you say, listen, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Please be the Lord of my life again. He goes, I've been waiting. Come on, come on. And you go, why, why do I need to pray that? Because you can't heal a distance in a relationship that you won't acknowledge is there. But again, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And imagine you're them. Imagine you're the people that, that Peter is speaking to. Their entire lives, they've, all they've known is Roman occupation. They've known this tyrannical government of Caesar and un, unjust taxes and all kinds of mistreatment. And their entire lives, what they've been waiting for is this promised king, this Messiah to show up and save them. Imagine you hear, hey, listen, he's been here and you killed him. The greatest hope that you've been waiting for, you murdered. But guess what? Even though you did that, God had a plan in all of it because he never forsook you. He was never done with you. He was always in the process of saving you. Let me say that to you. Perhaps in this moment, God has been bringing you to this very moment so that he may save you. There hasn't been a wasted second. It's been to this moment right here, right here. And so they hear this and they're like, wait, we killed him? And they're heartbroken. And so here's the response, verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And that's the question, right? What do I do with this? 
Wait, Bert, what do I do with this information that Jesus has died for my sin and risen from the dead? What do I do with the information that I can't earn salvation, I can only ask for it? What do I do in response to that? Well, he tells them, verse 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Let me explain what he's saying right there. Is he saying that these things save them? No, he's saying they're the right response. They're the right response to salvation. Hey, what do I do with the information that Jesus has died for my sin? I turn from my sin. Repent of it. Okay, well, that's what the word of the Greek there. The word of the Greek there that we translate as repent is metanoia. It means turn around or turn away from. Why? Because if my sin was so heinous that the only thing to get rid of it was the blood of the Son of God, why would I play around with it? Why would I want it? And so he goes, repent. Repent of your sin and be baptized. Why be baptized? That's a really good question, me. Let me tell you, um, that's a little bit arrogant. I didn't mean it like that, but. <laughs> so practice of baptism is a public confession of your faith. It's publicly identifying with someone, right? So they would go, people would be baptized. They would go out in the water. They would be immersed. They would go down under the water. It was symbolic of them dying to their old way of life. They would come up. It was symbolic of them rising into new life with Christ. Baptism made it so that their faith was not a secret, that their allegiance to their true king was proclaimed. This is why every single person who says, I believe on Jesus should be baptized. Okay, why you shouldn't be walking in disobedience to this. Because what you're saying is this, I'm not going to keep what he's done for me a secret. I'm not gonna hold anything back from God. If he's given everything for me, I'll give everything for him as much as I'm able all right, why should you be baptized? Because honestly, your witness is pretty crappy if you just silently pray to yourself one time and keep your faith there and never share anything with anyone. How could you rob them of hope like that? So no, baptism is a public profession of what God has done in you. So let me just encourage you. Hey, if you haven't been baptized, we'd love to baptize you. It's free, we'll give you a t-shirt. <laughs> just grab a connect card, check the box. I wanna be baptized. And let me just add one thing with this, okay? If you do it, follow through. Here's what happens every now and then. We get po- like folks who get like emotionally amped up and they'll check that, but I wanna get baptized. And then we ask them when, and it's like they've never heard of us. They're just like in the wind. No, like if you're gonna do it, do it. Don't have this thing of, oh, I felt really good, so I guess I would. No, no, make your faith public in baptism. According to Peter, this is just the decent thing to do. All right. And so he says, listen, repent and be baptized. And then he goes, and guys, remember how this whole thing started with the conversation of the Holy Spirit? Started with this thing of like, why are people speaking in tongues? And why is all this empowering taking place? He goes, well, here's what's gonna happen if you repent of your sin and are baptized. Verse, uh, second half, verse 38. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, and I love this, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. <laughs> Promises for you. And I love this. Please hear this. All for whom the Lord our God will call. Do you know what this means? This means that God is actively working on your salvation. It's not I stumbled across the right information. No, you've been called by God. You've been invited into relationship. If I could just say it like this, you couldn't want God unless he wanted you. 
Isn't that good news? That there aren't second-tier Christians, like of people who can somehow figure out, like how kind of worm their way into the kingdom, like there's people that God really likes and then there's me. And like, you couldn't want him unless his heart beats for you. In verse 40, with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And the invitation is to you as well. Verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 in one moment. Why? Because God is the one who grows the church. And can I just say something? We're getting near the end. Um, you may have noticed that God has been continually adding to our number. Have you noticed that? <laughs> and uh, I, I just want to take a minute to talk with you about that. We came into Tati's seven or eight years ago now. And on day one, we outgrew the place. We added services, and then COVID, and our numbers went down, and we've come back, and they've gone way back up. And during all of it, we just kept looking and looking and looking for a bigger space. And I can't tell you how many really, really smart people work so hard on finding a new one. I mean, it's just like, it would blow your mind. And we realized something in all of it. Um, we realized that it's just over and over again, we would have freakish circumstances. where literally like the Lord would just close doors on us. Like, and I mean, like, painfully so. Like, we'd be working, we'd be working for something like six months, and suddenly it's like, boom, nope, you're done. And all the while, he was still bringing in people, and he, was, and he was amping up the money, so, like, we knew. And I'm not saying that, like, you know, we can make it rain in here, but I'm just saying, like, it was like, it, like, he was growing it, so, like, clearly he had something in mind beyond where we were. And after the last letdown, the elders and I began to have a conversation hey, what if we're thinking about this wrong? Like, what if God wants us to go somewhere that we wouldn't necessarily anticipate? And how would that work? And we thought of something. I said, church, secretly, I had it in mind, but I asked you to pray for it. And so you, you may be aware that we've just come out of 21 days of prayer today. And in 21 days of prayer, you remember what our theme verse was, Colossians 4, 3? Here's what it says. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. And so we were praying, God, would you please open a door? And this is what we realized. Where we are and where we want to go, there was a step in between. See, here's the crazy thing about living in Lewis, Delaware. I don't know if you, if you know this or not, but land's really expensive. <laughs> like really, like crazy expensive. And we reached a point where we were capped on how many people we could have in this facility. And so it wasn't a matter of, like, could we generate more income? Like, it just was not reasonable, barring God doing something completely outside of our framework, which he can totally do. But, but what if he was already opening something for us? Like, was there a step between, okay, let's, like, let's, let's empty our savings into a space that we're renting, or let's save and go somewhere beyond here? And so we thought, and right about the time that was happening, a space that we had looked at before became available. Lewis Elementary School. Where, the school, I don't know if you've seen the school, it's been like gutted, like from the ground up. And so now you've got a spot where there's a pro-grade theater that holds 300 plus people. 
You've got cafeteria and all this ample space for kids. And here's the best part. If we go there, we could keep saving our money to build. Because again, it's expensive to live here. And so we reached out. And the folks in the school district and the school itself were so stinking gracious and so great to us. And there were five people who had to say yes for us to go in. And Monday, the last one said yes. Yeah. And so here's what I can tell you. We have an exit strategy for here. Starting in September, we will begin having worship at Lewis Elementary School. And the crazy part is the way that God has provided finances for us, we can do it completely debt-free, which is really cool. On top of that, and this is where I get, I get really, really excited, it gives us enough time to plan and do things well. And in coming weeks, you're going to hear about, like, hey, like, what do we need to do to make this work? How can you help? How can you plug in? What, like, what specific dates are we doing? What? You're going to get all of that. But I want to just tell you, the Lord opened the door. We asked him to do it, and he did. And I can't wait to see what he does next. Because as, as space increases, here's the thing, as space increases, it's not for the sake of having a bigger spot. It's so that more ministry can take place. That's why we do this. And so as we wrap up today, look, here's what I want to tell you. My same God, <laughs> who's opened doors for us, who's doing the supernatural among us, he's alive, he's here, and I want to give you an opportunity to know him today. Again, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And today, if you call out to him, he'll hear you. So I want to wrap up in prayer. And if you would like to call out to Jesus right where you're sitting, he will hear you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. These words are not magic, but let them be the words of your heart. Here's what we're going to pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for being the leader of my own life. I'm sorry for my treason. But I thank you that you haven't given up on me ever, that you love me. And you love me so much, you died for me on the cross. You've taken away my sin and you've risen from the dead to give me new life with you. Lord, with this knowledge, I'm turning from my sin and I'm turning to you. Please fill me with your spirit. Show me how to follow you. I'll go wherever you lead. In Jesus' name I pray.